Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Drum, Jimmy Conrad. Let's get some beats going. <laughs> Liverpool and Bayern Munich are through to the quarterfinal stages after getting through their second leg ties with varying degrees of difficulty. And I'm joined by Jimmy Conrad and his drums. Keith Pierce coming soon and returning friend of the show, Michael Lahoud, to unpick all of today's UCL action. The Kegolasso Champions League recap show begins right now. Welcome to Kigo Lasso, our Champions League recap for Tuesday. By the way, thank you so much for being part of the family. We're so close to 10,000 subscribers, so get on with it. Let's do, do it. it. I'm not even get being funny anymore. I need you. Get that <laughs> megaphone, Jimmy Conrad. Let's, Let's get some 10,000 subs. Easy. Just scroll over, subscribe, and hit it so we can get to 10,000. 10,000, please. I get a bonus if we get 10,000. That's really why I'm asking. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Jim Conrad, how are you, buddy? I'm great. I saw two fantastic matches for different reasons, but uh, excited to to get into it because there were some world-class performances on display today. Absolutely. Des Norris, I'm going to welcome in Heath Pierce when I feel like it, all right? Because, you know, I, he needs to be patient. All right. 90% of success is showing up. Peers. Michael LaHood, welcome back, buddy. How are you? I am good. Even better now with how the Salzburg game ended, not the scoreline, but because a certain player who wears the red, white, and blue was on the score sheet. In the oh, okay. So consolation there for Brendan Aronson, I guess, you know, but hey, Byron could care less about your Cinderella story. They really steamrolled. All right, Heath Pierce. Come on over, buddy. Come on. Tell me why you're late. What's going on? Oh, okay, he looks Hi. good. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood, is. Is Hollywood here. Is here. <laughs> I can see why I can see why you guys are on time because none of you guys look as good as me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm put together. I'm buttoned up. Mm. I, I dress the part. You know, yeah, it was yeah. a big occasion for Champions League. And you guys are all here talking about being on time. It's better to look good, you know. It's better yeah. to look good. So LA. Wearing, you're not wearing pants though, are you, Heath? I, I'm definitely I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. But you know, that wasn't uh, part of the uh, requirement, you know. That that, that is true. I think it's, up part here. Of, it's part of the contract. Uh, don't wear, you know, pants, pants optional. Welcome everybody. Champions League Tuesday recap. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, Michael LaHood, and we're gonna discuss Tuesday's action of course by the way thank you so much for being part of the family and paramount plus had some great coverage as well as cbs sports hq and you're going to get some more as well jimmy will be part of it as well uh and we had a great multicast camera today if you didn't notice that in your app it was a debut of the multicast you had both games at the same time and the sound was being selective depending on the action did anybody follow that by the way did anybody watch it michael were you on the multicast I was triple casting. I even had my laptop out. So <laughs> had all games. All games. I love it. Jimmy, did you see the multicast? I did see it, but I am blessed with two monitors so I could get one game on each to get more of the action. More yeah. of the, I like to see, you know, I like to see him sweat out there. Yeah, and let's face it, Heath, only one game really demanded more of our attention. Yeah, after, uh, yeah it was it was one game, but the but the multicast was awesome because usually I'm in a panic right at right at kickoff, twelve noon Pacific time, and I'm like putting on the different things, like what gets the big screen, what gets the laptop, what gets the phone, and all the rounds. And this was just like service to me, everything that I wanted and needed. Uh, so I felt spoiled. But yeah, only one of those games demanded the attention, depending on what team you support. Of course, I'm a neutral, uh, so uh, you know I like everything. Absolutely. And it's a choice, everybody. You're not just restricted to the multicast. You just have a choice. So stop complaining. Dan, welcome, buddy. Yes, multicast was great. But at 3-0, I went all into Liverpool. Yes, absolutely. 3-0, which was basically the Lewandowski hat trick in less than 25 minutes. Welcome to our regular viewers. Comments, please share, subscribe, ask your questions to Michael, Jimmy, Heath, yours truly on today's games. And of course, we can even discuss tomorrow as well. We're here for you, everybody. So let's get going by the way. And let's talk about 
the game that just finished as well. Liverpool against Inter Milan. You know, we said that this game was not going to be easy for Jurgen Klopp, Jimmy Honrad, especially I think that maybe Inter, aside from the Salernitana game, they took a few pages from West Hamsburg where they really could have done some damage this weekend. And it seemed iffy that Lautaro Martinez golazo. Uh, we talked about the red card, but what do you make of it? Liverpool against Inter. Liverpool are through, but not easily. I think that Liverpool, though, the, I thought the game was pretty wide open to start. I'll start there, you know, and Alexis Sanchez starting over Ed and Dzeko was a bit of a shock. He seemed up for it, maybe a little bit too up for it as he got two yellows and maybe should have got two up reds. for it. Yeah, he Jimmy. was. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. He well played. So, so I thought that the, the energy from, from Inter was good. I think they were trying to poke and prod to kind of see if they could maybe sneak something in the first half. But okay, just keep it at zeros defensively. And they did that in the first half. And I thought that it almost it almost got pulled off. They had the momentum. And then Alexis Sanchez getting that second yellow really took, took it out of him. When I look at the lineup, though, from Liverpool, I thought Kanate was awesome in the leg one. So for Matip to come in, even though he, he hit the crossbar on a set piece, I thought I'd be pretty disappointed if I was Kanate because I just thought he did a very good job with uh, with pocketing both Lataro and 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 Jeko, and then I thought maybe Henderson should have started when he came on in the first leg as a sub. I mean his energy changed that game in favor of Liverpool, and the fact that he didn't, they went with Jones, was a bit of a surprise. But that said, they did enough as you've mentioned, LME to to get through, and and now we get to see who they draw in the next round. Yeah, the other thing I'd say about that is getting Tiago back changes the dynamic of the team. And obviously, I thought as it went later and later and Inter Milan started getting in, Liverpool hit the bar a couple of times that I thought, okay, this could come back to haunt them. Not that they weren't clinical, uh, that they just had a little bit of luck go against them. But obviously, the turning point was Alexis Sanchez. A little bit of an unfortunate situation for him just because of the fact that he did come in early, had so much momentum that he ended up catching. Yeah, that's a uh, shame. It's it, a it shame was, when a Chilean gets yeah. sent off, isn't it? Yeah. It's such a shame when a Chilean yeah, yeah. gets sent You don't sound like you care at all, LME, <laughs> uh, but I do because I've got a heart. This know? is a good stat, Heath Pierce. <laughs> In club's first six seasons with Liverpool, eight opposing players were sent off. Eight have now been sent off in 2021-2022. And you can see the names right there. I wonder if it's, is it something about Liverpool, Heath Pierce? I mean, it could be. I'm just, uh, you uh, you said it. Didn't you say, when when we were off camera, didn't you say match fixing, Luis? I don't know if you said that. (laughs) Somebody somebody said that, but it certainly seems like, you know, you, you get a little help along the way. I mean, the same thing as anytime that Roma plays matches they always have players either sent off from their team or somebody else so it's just one of those things that that gets caught up in but when you look at that list those are some key players being sent off uh against liverpool but you know this is the way it goes it it had the bakings of rather than one of those anfield nights it was about to become an anfield fright because of how <laughs> very uh, nice wow. started that, you write that michael I'm, I'm, oh man i've got plenty of those in the canister <laughs> wow especially it, it was it was good to be in another one for it the italian job with now you got to do guys. a third because everything has to <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Wow. 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 no but the way inter managed that first half the biggest thing i noticed is they clogged the middle they let liverpool have the ball and the back press from alexi sanchez was something that was disruptive to liverpool's flow usually yeah. when they break your press and they they camp in your half then they start poking and prodding the two wingers, Mane and Salah, they tuck in like forwards. And it's really a front three that's narrow. And they, you know, pinball the ball and move off you. Outside backs overlap. Well, Inter was smart to just drop deep and concede the space and say, break eight to nine of us down and leave Martinez up high. And that frustrated Liverpool. Second half, what a golasso, as you said. I, I couldn't believe when Mati tried to overplay that. I couldn't believe it because Liverpool... They were struggling to get out of that, the, to get into the uh, second half. But what a finish. You have to give hats off. And then it's a moment of madness. Just playing at a place like Anfield, the venue that it is. Oh, man. Alexi Sanchez, he's going to be walking back to Italy, not flying back. <laughs> <laughs> no, would I just jump in? Those are great points there from LaHood. I, I was impressed by what Inter came out to do. And, and, I'm not surprised because we had talked about it maybe off camera about if we were Simone Inzaghi, the manager of Inter, what what would we try to, at what point do we try to go get that first goal? Because if we get the first goal, we can finally make Liverpool suffer a little bit in this tie. And they did. 
And, and Latoro scored his first goal in the Champions League in 490 days. The last time he did it was against Real Madrid in 2020. And, and that's a long time between goals. And as, as Lahoud said, and as you guys saw, what a peach of a goal that was. But the, again, once they had that, that little moment of momentum, then it got taken away by Alexis Sanchez, which is a real shame because you could maybe see that they could get back into that one because there were finally some vulnerabilities there for Liverpool. Again, that's going to be them probably rolling their eyes and like, oh, man, well, maybe next season. This allows them now to focus on the Scudetto. It's that second leg of the Coppa Italia semifinals. So not all is lost for their season. Of course, they try to repeat as Scudetto champions. But I don't know. This, 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 maybe Liverpool are going to feel a little bit lucky. It's similar to West Ham, where West Ham had a ton of chances and didn't get a lot there. So maybe something that Jurgen Klopp has to address. We got to tighten some things up. Maybe our in-game management has to be a little bit better. We got to finish our chances. Obviously, Mo Salah hit two posts would change. Change the game, of course. Answer this uh, one, Jimmy. Were you impressed with uh, Vidal saving that goal in the 92nd minute as a defender? You must love it. Listen, Vidal for me is is a bit of a cartoon character. I don't even know if he's real, real, you know. And, and I was really impressed with his performance today. He just was all over the place, and he looked up for it as well. Both Chileans looked up for it, but Alexis got a little bit, you know, his hand in the cookie jar. But yeah, I mean, his. I thought Vidal was excellent. He was doing all the little things that were necessary to try to get back into this, and that's what Inter needed. It just fell a little bit short. Yeah, I was a bit worried about uh, Vidal in this one, obviously knowing that he was having to step in. But when you saw his composure on the ball, when he wanted it, he wanted it all the time. He wanted it in tough spots. And I thought that was a, a, a huge <clears throat> boost, excuse me, for, for, for Inter Milan. But again, to, to, to focus on Liverpool here, they're definitely showing some fragility that I didn't think that they had. Obviously, when Thiago was out, we saw in the League Cup, going back to that, there was a different flow in their team, a different rhythm in terms of protect, protecting that back line, having a little bit more balance in that midfield. But today, there, there's certainly some question marks as to, you know, are they a complete team? And I think some of that goes, like Jimmy said, to, to Curtis Jones being in the midfield there, knowing that they have other options that I think were better and still being able to get out of that with what I think was not their best lineup uh, on the day, I think gives uh, Jurgen Klopp something to chew on, knowing that he's probably going to have to stick with his very, very best team for every game that's of consequence from here on out, especially in the fact that they're they're still in multiple competitions. Yeah, I want to say something. Don't get it twisted, everybody. Yes, it was difficult for Liverpool in this game, but, you know, they had more shots. They had more shots on target. They had more possession. I think Luis Diaz really should have put that away uh, towards the end of that game. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll salute the other Chilean. That's fine. But really, I think Lucho Diaz should probably have done something. And by the way, Tess Norris mentioning a very good point here, Michael. Um, obviously... You know, Italian teams looking to reclaim the European throne and only one left now, Juventus, uh, as they obviously play uh, Villarreal, but they got obviously other things to worry about. How, how do you make of their chances uh, left in the competition? I like their chances left in the competition. There's going to be a sense to go of go far, like final? No, no, no. To go to the next bus stop, which is the okay. next round. Oh, no, yeah. No, I no, mean, no. Like, there's no chance. <laughs> No chance. Like you never say. You never say. You never say never because that's the beauty of the Champions League. I, I like their odds against Villarreal, who's a team that is struggling in La Liga play. A team that usually caches their chips in European competition. Typically, we've seen that in Europa League, and they've been struggling as of late, coming off a recent loss that was unexpected. But it's a tricky matchup because now you've done the job away from home if you're Juve, and now you have to come back home with the pressure of the Juve fan base who, if you don't get a goal early and the game goes longer and longer, which Unai Emery loves to do, frustrate teams, mm -hmm. then the fan base turns on you and you have trouble on your hands. But I expect Juve to go through. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Lahoud on this one. I think Juve is going to have enough. Have to remember leg one, Dusan Vlahovic scored in like 37 seconds or something. And at that point, this is what kind of frustrates me about Juve. Even this past weekend against Spezia, they get that first goal and then they just kind of relax and they get a little casual and then they or they sit back too far and they absorb. And I don't know if that's going to be a recipe for success as the competition gets harder and harder. And as the pressure mounts domestically to try to win the Scudetto, because I still think they're in the conversation, everybody. I mean, they haven't lost in quite some time. And the last time they did was in the, the Supercopa. Uh, and that was an extra time. So over 90 minutes, they actually had a draw. I mean, they, they have this quality that I think is important that they don't know how to lose. But at some time, at some point, I feel like their in-game management and where they kind of set up shop when they do have a lead has to change if they want to be successful at winning anything this particular season. Yeah, the, the only thing I'd, I'd add to that, obviously, is that they've got uh, Champions League and then they have Salernitana, who are obviously struggling in, in Syria. And then they've got Inter Milan. And so in terms of scheduling, it's not an easy little window. Yes, they have a little bit of the benefit of playing a Salernitana, but they have to then face Inter Milan 
uh, with hopes of, of, of where they finish off in the league. So it's not going to be easy. The last loss, as Jimmy mentioned, was to Inter Milan. So it's not something that they can look past. I do think that they can get to the next bus stop, as uh, Lahizi uh, so delicately uh, put. I, I, I'm worried about them. Weston McKinney, who's one of their better players, is yep. down the street from me right now, and he's out for the rest of the season. And I know we glorify him because he's Weston McKinney and he wears the red, white, and blue, but he is an important player in that team. And, and I wonder how far they can go if they end up facing any more uh, sort of injuries or, or setbacks within the team in terms of the depth of their roster. Yeah, you know, there is a player called Dusan Vlaovic that maybe he might have to, uh, to <laughs> say. I mean, things. their own coach yeah. says he's not ready. You know, he goes after him too. <laughs> no, says he's not that's all media game, Two games a week and all this type of stuff. Well, let's see then. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, let's talk about these two uh, teams before we move on and we take a break. Uh, and everybody, by the way, uh, we would love your thoughts here. So call to action here, please. Uh, I want to know, first of all, from Inter Inter's perspective, now that the Champions League is, is done for them, they got Coppa Italia, Jimmy Conrad, and now it's Serie A. Do you feel that that, just like last season, right, when they didn't have any more Europe to worry about, they won Scudetto, do you feel that now Simone Inzaghi is going to be thinking, well, now I can focus domestically and do my thing. Does this help them not being in the Champions League anymore? I think it helps them for two reasons. One, the obvious rest and, and they can move their focus to these other competitions that we're discussing. The second thing that I think Simon Inzaghi can take away from this is that they went toe-to-toe with arguably one of the best clubs in Europe and the hottest club in inform clubs in Europe and Liverpool right now and, and made them suffer, made them struggle, gave them, gave them some challenges that maybe Liverpool haven't faced, especially over two legs. They, they, there's really fine margins as to why they didn't go through. And I think that's something that Inzaghi can reflect upon in a positive way. And then also say, if we want to get up to Liverpool's standard, we have to be better at X, Y, and Z. So I think there's a lot of positive takeaways from all of this. Now, they have Torino this upcoming weekend. Never an easy place to go play. You got Fiorentina after that. They got Juve as away from home in Turin again. And then uh, they have not, beginning of, of, excuse me, April 20th is when they face AC Milan for the second leg of the Coppa Italia. So they got got some time to kind of figure that out. And, and, and if they win that, the final of the Coppa Italia will be actually after Serie A finishes. So they don't really have to worry about it. They just got that one result. But they got some work to do in that one. I like Inter to repeat. I think they're well-balanced. I think they have a team that knows how to win it since they did it last year. And I think that's where AC Milan might be off the pace a little bit because they don't have that experience just yet. A few of their players do, but not everybody. I think you have to give Inter and what Inzaghi is doing so much credit. They lost their best player and Serie A player of the year a year ago. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. to still be in the title challenge, that's a miracle work for a yeah. first-time <laughs> Inter coach. Now yeah. you've gotten the elder statesman in Edin Dzeko, who I don't know what Dzeko did to not see the field today. It was a gamble that Inzaghi took on Sanchez and Martinez but it was a gamble that blew up in his face because of the, the red card. But going forward, it's simple. Always play Jacko. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> but two, I, I think what's going to propel Inter is the fact that their crosstown rivals are right down their neck. And Napoli, do not forget about them. They're also in the contest as well. But yeah. I, I think competition, this is an Inter team that is battle-tested, and they thrive off competition. You saw that today, that they outcompeted Liverpool – when it mattered up until the red card. And then it was just flatlined from there because they were down a man, but they thrive on competition. I think that'll bode well for them moving forward. Yeah. yeah the, the, the final thing I would say on that, just in terms of Inter Milan moving on from this is, is the strength of their, their schedule, right? They don't have to play AC Milan in the league. Yes. They have the second leg of the Copa, Copa Italia, which is nil nil. And I think Inter are the home team uh, in that one. And then they've got a number of teams that, that fall in the bottom half of the table with just sort of, I think they have Juventus, they have Roma, um, they don't play Napoli. They play Udinese, who's not the same. They don't play Lazio. And so they've got a decent window. And when you go back again to February, January of last year, that was when they took off. Obviously, it was early on in the season. And so now they have something to focus on. Obviously, Coppa Italia is extremely important as well. But the league is looking really, really bright for them. And the way in which they played today was far different. And it was away from home. It was far different than, than the first leg. And it showed some maturity and some grit. And like, like, like LaHood just said, they were in this one, and obviously a, a mishap from, from Alexi Sanchez is what took them out. But there were some glimmers of hope that they might be able to take down this Liverpool side, a Liverpool side that's been in such form that nobody would have ever, at a 2-0 lead, considered them um, vulnerable going into this match. It should have been an easy, sort of smart, uh, uh, professional performance that should have sawn them through, and it was, it was far from that. 
Well, speaking of Liverpool, he's right back at you regarding their uh, situation now because they are still in uh, the Champions League. They are still in the FA Cup. They're obviously trying to win uh, the league uh, as well. They just won the uh, Carabao Cup, so they're going for this historic quadruple. How much of that pressure is for Jurgen Klopp? And to your point, you know, uh, and also this past weekend, they, they weren't that convincing they're obviously such a force but after brighton they're playing arsenal uh you know they got nothing in force in the fa cup i'm telling you something they're that's the killers gonna be, that's they're gonna be a tricky killers. one for them so and then obviously that huge game uh against man city on april 10th so how do you see them going forward uh specifically in the champions league as well well technically it should have been an even harder schedule because they had a liverpool man united game that's been postponed within there as well but they're getting a little bit of uh help on that one and guess who's playing for nottingham forest our starting goalkeeper for the u.s men's national team uh and keenan and, davis from aston villa as well yeah uh exactly but it's it, they don't have an easy run to the end of the year liverpool no. I, I think if you just look at a month right they've got arsenal They've got Forrest, uh, who, who have been sort of the giant killer so far in the FA away Cup. Away at little Forrest. Bit of, yeah, too. away yeah. at Forrest. An incredible atmosphere there and, and a difficult place to, to, to get any sort of result. They've got uh, Man City on April 10th, which could be the decider. They've got Aston Villa after that. If Aston Villa or any sort of run of form based on their performance against Southampton could go on a run of form as well and certainly capable of it. It's not Great. an easy run Great. for them. Um, and so Newcastle away as well. Like, well they also Newcastle. got the, the Merseyside Derby at home. <laughs> The Merseyside yeah. Derby they, against they got, Everton, who it's are a like, really oh. hard month for them that I don't see based on how they played today. And, and that's a very how they played today is very different than how they played recently. They were in great form. They've shown some vulnerabilities when they have certain key players out of the team. Uh, but I don't think this is the Liverpool side that we saw during this long, long run that's keeping pace. There is some. There's a little bit of fractures in there that I worry about the strength of that schedule, the difficulty of that schedule, of them needing to take all of the points out of all those things, continue into the next round of the FA Cup, continue into the next round of, of, of Champions League, keep pace with Man City in the league. And, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm a bit concerned about that because I, I, didn't, I wasn't even paying attention to the schedule just based on their form alone. And then you add that to the schedule. Yeah, it's, it's a little alarming. It seems like under Jurgen Klopp, they're good for one significant trophy a season. Let's leave last season out of it because of the amount of injuries that they had. I mean, actually, them getting third, despite everything they went through last year, might have been yeah. the most impressive thing that Jurgen Klopp. That's done what we tools. said. That's I what know. we said when it, it happened. Yeah. When you when you think it, you're like, God, that is unbelievable that that he somehow pieced that together and got them to finish third. That that really speaks volumes as to him as a manager and the players. Uh, getting the most out of them, despite the circumstances. They won the League Cup already. So are they good for one more? I, I feel like they're only going to win one of these next three competitions. It's either going to be the FA Cup, it's going to be the Champions League, or it's going to be the Premier League. The Premier League feels a little bit, a little bit maybe out of their reach. That schedule is tough, and they have to still go to Man City and get a result for even that to be in the conversation. I like them in the Champions League. I think they obviously have the experience to go on and do it, and with the players that know how to do it. And then FA Cup, who knows? That's that's one competition that Jurgen Klopp hasn't won yet with Liverpool. So I don't. I just think they're going to win one out of three. I'm sorry, Liverpool fans. I just think yeah. it could be too much to ask of this particular group to try to balance and win all of them. I think Jurgen Klopp will be very inspired and motivated to add a trophy he hasn't won, as you said, the FA Cup to the trophy cabinet. But all will depend on what happens in the Champions League. If they get knocked out in the next round, then they'll shift their focus mm -hmm. towards whatever is attainable next. They're not too far from Manchester City. Yes, City looked like juggernauts, but Liverpool has closed the gap. They've done the business with the games in hand, and they still have that game where they can turn the tide against City. Now, if it doesn't work out in the Premier League, it doesn't work out in the Champions League, it's no small feat to do the double and win the two domestic cups. But the Liverpool standard has been so elevated ever since they won the Champions League. And of course, that Premier League, long-awaited Premier League trophy. It's all going to be dependent on a surprise pick for me, a guy that when he's on the field, he's dynamic, he's electric, Luis Diaz. I think he's such mm -hmm. a spark plug, a guy that if you get him in the rotation more, get him more minutes, get him goals coming out of his feet rather than just stepovers and making guys fall down, then that'll take the pressure off Mane and Salah to produce in game after game after game. And you could even start resting some of them in some of these big tournament games. 
Yeah, Peter Drury called him the little eel. I like that. He's like an <laughs> eel. Just uh, All right, well, let's do a call to action before we take a break. Very, I know, Des, I want to do this uh, with call for everybody. And then very quickly, all three are going to tell me, okay? From uh, I, Jimmy kind of answered it, but I want to hear it again. From the four possible trophies, obviously they've already won uh, the League Cup. So really from the Premier League, the FA Cup, and the Champions League, from the three of them, how many are Liverpool winning? Winning. Jimmy? I'll say one. Which is? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'll say I'll say FA Cup because they haven't won it yet under Klopp. But they're going to be really close in the other two. Okay. FA Cup, they're going to win. Heath Beers, from those three, what are they Are they winning anything? What? What is it? God, I'm such a coward. I'm going to go <laughs> FA I am such a coward. Oh, uh, I'm going to go on. FA Cup. I mean, I just – the other two, it's just such a crapshoot that I can't imagine them – it's the most attainable for sure. Just um, tell me. Yeah, FA Cup. <laughs> FA Cup. FA Cup. Okay, yeah. Michael. One. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna put. Uh, can I say cojones? I'm. I just said it. Yeah. I'm of course you something. can. <laughs> okay. Huevos. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put the huevos. Thank you. I'm gonna put okay. the huevos on the table and say Premier League. <laughs> well, you didn't have to say All that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I added the visual on the table. I don't, I don't need the visual. I don't need the visual. Ah, you know, hey, uh. it's a family show. I had to. Uh. You right. can say them, just don't show them. All right. You're saying yeah. the Premier League. The Premier League. Wow. Right? I would say. I'm I would say Champions Prem. League over Premier. League if I had to pick between really? the two. But, yeah, but uh, you said FA Cup first. I did. I played it safe. I'm a coward like Heath. No, now you can't come back and be like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm just League. Well, no, I'm saying Premier League. That glimmer of magic and really just – and Leeds may not be the best team to, to compare yourself to, but the form they hit when they got their two players, you know, Mane and Salah back from Africa, and the fact that they're still running and not burnt down yet, in terms of exhaustion, I think you saw a poor Mane because I think he's tired. He needs a rest at some point. But the Premier League, you play your biggest opponent, the team that's ahead of you, not too far from now. And you can put things back on your terms. I like them in that competition. Can I, can I point out real quick that there is a high likelihood they end up with zero of those three? Yeah, well, but uh, you could, very I, but high I gave you that choice, Heath. I said, yeah, will they win any of it? And if and if so, yes, you could have said zero. Do you think oh, zero? Yeah. yeah, I think zero. <laughs> oh. So the only thing they'll win is the, <laughs> the only thing they'll win is the league cup, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, but it was amazing watching those penalties go down, wasn't it? Like that's a like I yeah. don't know. It meant something. It meant something to them, right? Hadn't they not won that in a lo- very long time? Um, yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, here's what's happening. Uh, uh, it's just going to be the FA Cup. That's it. <laughs> that's that's what I think. Uh, uh, all right, let's uh, let sorry Liverpool fans, uh, but hey, let's wake up to Jimmy's point. You've never won it with Jurgen Klopp, so there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll do. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll try and get the best out of everything from what happened with Bayern Munich and Salzburg. We'll do a little bit of a Wednesday preview and maybe some other news as well. Kego Lasso Champions League Tuesday. Recap with Michael LaHoo, Jimmy Conrad, and Heath Pierce will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, by the way, Kegolasso listeners, we want you to compete with us. 
in a bracket challenge game. I'll be in there. Talent name will be in there. Talent name will be in there. I like the way that I have to read this read, by the way. It doesn't give you the name. It just says talent name. Uh, but we want... <laughs> But I'll be there. So will Jimmy. So will Heath. So will Michael. That was like the Anchorman thing where, uh, where Ron Burgundy just reads whatever's on the screen, by the way. Uh, but we want you to be part of it as well. Join us at cbsports.com forward slash que golazo. No, sorry. Golazo brackets. And the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount+. Plus. And who enters just one pool, by the way. You can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. You can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbsports.com forward slash golasso brackets. This is really confusing. It should be que golasso brackets, but it's not. It's golasso brackets. The deadline to enter is Thursday morning of next week. Yeah, that's, oh my God, that was a horrible read. Apologies, but basically March Madness is coming. Join in on the fun, everybody. All right, let's get going. Bayern Munich against Salzburg. Robert Lewandowski with the earliest hat trick in Champions League history, 23 minutes. His three goals were scored in a 10 minute, 24 second span to make it the fastest hat trick in Champions League knockout stage history. Uh, as you mentioned, Michael, a consolation from Brendan Aronson uh, with his assist. And by the way, Let's talk about this because we thought, you know, before this game, Heath Pierce, uh, you know, Salzburg have a chance. It's one all. What happened? Bayern Munich woke up. Yeah, I regretfully talked about the form of Bayern Munich when you looked at the way that they played. Obviously, I think it was a really clever play by Nagelsmann to switch to a back three coming from a back four. Opa really struggled against um, against um, Leverkusen over the weekend, as did Niklas Sule. I mean, if there's one center back, and maybe Jimmy feels different, that I'm the hardest on and anywhere, anywhere near the Champions League, it's him. And uh, they went with the back three, and it, and it worked out really, really well. And then just in terms of the attack, the efficiency, just Robert Lewandowski putting the team on his back from the very, very beginning. Mueller looking more fresh and younger than I've seen him in a long time. I mean, there's a million ways that we can break this down in terms of positives. But overall, just a fantastic performance. that they, And they really came to life in a way that they seemed like they were sort of in cruise control. They had a big enough gap in the league. They haven't been great as of late, and this was just a, a completely different uh, Bayern Munich side that I didn't think we'd see. It's it's really hard uh, when you're a champion to do it year after year after year. We talk about PSG with this a little bit of this arrogance of thinking they can just flip the switch, and rarely does that ever work out, though we did see that in the first leg against Real Madrid. They did that today. They flipped the switch, and we saw a completely different team, and it's a really impressive performance. Yeah, I'm going to sum this up uh <laughs> very quickly. Men versus boys. I mean, that's ultimately yeah. what we just saw. We saw a yeah. bunch of grown men who know how to win in this competition, know how to win a game. And you saw a bunch of boys out there who, for a little bit, did take advantage of some of the gaps that were, I think, open because of the three in the back, because you have Coman on one side and Leroy Sané on the other kind of being your wing backs that they don't really like to defend, even though I saw Sané tracking back today, which was uh, which was nice to see. And I thought he was fantastic. But 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 there were moments there early on where Salzburg did get in behind. And I think the the, the return of Manuel Neuer made such a big difference. He, he made a clutch save, uh, tipped one over the bar that I think kept Bayern in it. Not that Sven Ulreich wouldn't have, but maybe he wouldn't have. And and just his mere presence makes such a big difference for that team. And, and ultimately, Lewandowski, if you remember in leg one, didn't get a shot on goal. Bayern had nine shots on goal, 22 in total, and one of them wasn't by Lewandowski. It's probably the first time in the history of his career he didn't get a shot yeah. on goal in the Champions League. And he got a shot in the first minute. I mean, he signaled right from the get-go, I'm going to be somebody uh, forced to be reckoned with. And what I thought was interesting from a tactical situation, Nagelsmann had to say, if we can find those entry passes in, in and around the top of the box, whether it's Lewandowski or Thomas Muller, we can get after them. Because how many times did they... Like an RB Salzburg defender tried to step in and try to win that initial ball, and Lewandowski tried to pull around or had a nice turn, or Muller had a nice turn, and that mm -hmm. led to a good shot on goal, which yeah. they either slotted or drew a penalty. Again, it's just very naive defending and decision-making by RB Salzburg, and, and it was men versus boys. It was pretty ridiculous. I think the difference in this game was getting the first goal. Salzburg looked shell-shocked. Before that, it was an open game. They were full of confidence, and they had the right to be with how they played, and they played Bayern off the park. They were punished because they didn't finish them off in the first leg, and this is what happens when you play the big boys. Yes, they may not be as sharp in leg one, but the, the experience and the experienced players, Manuel Neuer came back, and Thomas Mueller, like you said, he was a force to be reckoned with. He was rolling back the clock, scoring goals. He's been the assist guy, and Mueller was the assist 
to the Komen goal, the last gasp Komen goal. And Mueller didn't even have his best game in the first leg, but he still finds ways to impact the game at his older age. And Lewandowski, what can you not say about him? I'm, it makes me upset that the, the balloon door went to Messi, <laughs> seeing him do what he <laughs> did today. That's what I took from this game. But as far as he, Mueller, and Manuel Neuer go, this Bayern team goes, they are the focal points. And last but not least, I love this reinvigorated Leroy Sané playing centrally. Who knew that he could be one of the two attacking mids? I love what Nagelsmann's doing. It's a bit of a gamble with the three in the back. I mean, you're, you're leaving five players, your best five players up high. But against teams like Salzburg, if you get that first goal, those five, they find ways to punish you. Yeah, we have got, I think Jimmy and Heath has a hard out very soon. So I wanted to just chime in and get some perspective here, Jimmy, very quickly. How would you assess Salzburg now and their season? Um, you know, obviously they, they try to make history, but it didn't happen. What's next for the Austrians? I think ultimately just focusing on what they're doing domestically and probably identifying which players they're going to keep and which ones they're going to sell over the summer. I could see Adeyemi. Uh, he looked pretty frustrated when he got subbed off in the 65th, 70th minute. He walked off the other side. He didn't really have the performance that I think that or he was hoping to have because he once played in Bayern's uh, youth academy for two years. And now he's being courted by, I think Munich's looking at him as well, but 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 Borussia Dortmund seems like a, a likely place for him to go. He knew that he wanted to have that big performance and didn't really necessarily put it out there today. It looks like Brendan Aronson might be on the move as well, joining Jesse Marsh at Leeds, assuming that situation stays in the positive and they stay in the Premier League. We'll see how that all ends up. And I assume there's a couple other players that are going to step up. Okafor is another target uh, up top who, who was injured for this one and got injured in leg one against Bayern, but he's got a bright future as well. So that's just part of being RB Salzburg. Which players are you going to bring along? Which ones are you going to sell? And how can we just kind of repeat that hamster wheel, rinse and repeat uh, that that whole time? So so I think they go on to win the domestic league, the Austrian Bundesliga. And outside of that, it's just kind of rebuilding and, and reshuffling the deck to see if they can make another good run. I mean, they should be proud of this. First time they ever got to the knockout rounds in their history. They got to keep their heads up. Yeah, they are uh, like almost 20 points ahead in the league. So they're definitely going to win that. But it, the thing for me is it went worst case scenario, right? Where they decided not to sell Brendan Aronson. They didn't sell any other players where there was interest in the January transfer window. And you go, this could affect things. And they're doing it all for the Champions League. This, this idea of trying to, to, to get through. But it's still going to work out in the end because now Brendan Aronson, who they've held out on, is probably going to be worth five, six million more in the marketplace. And it's actually worked to their advantage, even though the goal of keeping the men to go further into the Champions League hasn't worked out. They're still seeing an increased valuation in the players that they held on to, which I think is just good business for them to win the domestic league. And then uh, on top of moving these players on, it's it's now about bringing the next players in, right? Who are gonna, Who's the next Brendan Aronson? Who's the next successful story? Is it? Paxton Aronson, maybe, guys? Brendan's little <laughs> brother? I don't know, but it's it, there's a number of players that they need to do to replace those players um, and continue this project. It is a project, after all, and it's a pretty good business model that they're running there. Beep, beep, beep. False alarm <laughs> on Kylian Mbappé, by the way. There's no need to worry. He is expected to play at the Bernabeu on Wednesday, apparently, as PSG with a 1-0 lead lead. Real Madrid. I'm very conflicted about this one. I know that Jimmy is as well. I know that he is. Michael, this game obviously is the big headliner as PSG enter the Bernabeu. Carlo Ancelotti and Real Madrid really need a wake-up call from that first leg. What do you expect, especially now that Kylian Mbappé is expected to play as well? I'm expecting fireworks, but not from Madrid, from the PSG camp. Messi's coming back to a place where he's demolition derbied. Madrid, oh, he's back. Messy. Hey, Lahizi, you're back with all of these things. I, I you, Dude, you said I, at the beginning I, of the show, we got demolition derby, we got fireworks. Uh, I like Italian it. Italian job. I, I, Dude, Italian job. Uh, you brought I'm him back, telling, and I'm just happy. I'm Sorry, I had to interrupt gotta, just to point I gotta, that out. It's a tidal wave. It, it simmers down, <laughs> and we go through the middle, and then it comes back up when we talk about blockbuster games like this. So I said Messi's going to be back in his old stomping grounds where he used to kick butt and take names. But the main man of the show is Kylian Mbappe. This guy is going to be so motivated to play in the same stadium that he'll be playing in next year. And as a player, when you know that a move like that is on the horizon, you want to show your future employees what your employers what they're going to be getting a taste of and the fans as well. I think he's going to be lights out. I pick PSG to roll. Yeah, so there's a fun fact, though, I want to say about Leo Messi. He's yet to score 
in his last 695 minutes of action against Real Madrid in all competitions dating back to uh, May of 2018. That doesn't mean he's not due. Maybe he's due to step up and score a goal. He has been relatively quiet and, and we could argue underperforming for a, a player of his stature for PSG. Champions League, though, he has picked up his game a little bit and I do think he'll want to step up and, and get some revenge of some type against Madrid. On the Madrid standpoint, they're also mentioning Tony Cruz was going to be out, but it looked like he might be fit and ready to go, which is a big boost, I think, for Madrid's midfield because that's where a place where they could get overrun. As we saw in one of the comments, Verratti is going to be key. He's always key for PSG. He's such an important link-up player for them to transition from the defense to the attack. And Verratti is going to be playing, but Tony Cruz uh, is, is, is vital for me. I mean, it, Camavinga and Fede, Fede Valverde not that they're the same types of players. And I know Camavinga is coming off scoring a great goal against Real Sociedad this past weekend. But this could be too big of an event for him to potentially manage. Uh, I know that he's played against PSG multiple times with Ren when he was in Liga. But I don't know. I think maybe you go with Fede Valverde there in the Casemiro role. He's got more experience playing with Modric and Cruz. And I think if Cruz is in, that's a big, big win for them. However, that left back spot is a bit uh, of a concern with no Furlan Mendy. Who, who, who plays there? Do you put Alaba out there? Okay, then you weaken your central spot. You got Nacho and Militao. But if you keep Alaba in, would he go with Marcelo? He said he doesn't defend anymore. That guy just like smoking a cigarette when it's time to defend. He doesn't want to do any of that. But if Messi sets up on the right side and you got Messi versus Marcelo, I mean, Messi's going to win that matchup all day, every day. I know that Messi is not just known for his goals, obviously assists and one of the best players ever, but he's also only got one goal in his last 10 games across all competitions. Add that to the fact that he's been relatively dry in almost what? It's, I don't know the math of Jimmy. I'll let you do the 695 minutes. Almost eight <laughs> games. Uh, 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 that, that, that wasn't my, uh, my focus in school. But I know that you put those two things together, and it's not looking great for Lionel Messi. If you watched him play late, he does look a step off. It's something that we never thought that we would see. He doesn't look himself. Obviously, he can still put up assists, and he still has moments of magic. But he has to pick and choose his moments differently than the fact that now he's playing in a team where Three guys want the ball all the time. Four guys want the ball all the time. The flow of it, the runs, everything is a little bit different. That I struggle to see him having a huge uh, impact in the way that we would have seen uh, before. I hope I'm wrong with that because that makes the game ultimately better. But uh, I'd be surprised if if Messi has the impact in the way that we saw him, uh, as Michael had mentioned, um, going into the Barnabeo previously and just taking over matches. The theme here, I think, is Brazilian. Casemiro's suspension is huge. I think it's really big. And to uh, I, I think it was JDA that said it. Thank you for commenting, JDA, that uh, Marco Verratti will be a key part of it. And I think with no Casemiro in that midfield, I, I think I'm reading that Luka Modric will try and take more of that spot. And that's going to be interesting in terms of the creative side of things. And the reason I say Brazilian is because not just him. I've said it before in the Champions League preview. Neymar needs a big game. He needs to deliver. And on the other side, Vinicius Jr. is going to be a major talking point, and since Rodrigo's ascendance as well. So there's a bit of a Brazilian influence in this one. I'm going to do another call to action, including the boys here. Give me your score predictions. I think Dan Kane gave me a 3-2 Real Madrid aggregate. PSG is entering this game 1-0. I'll go first. I said it from day one of Champions League. PSG will win this whole thing. I'm sticking with that. PSG will win here, but it will go to penalties. And I think PSG will take because Kaylor Navas will deliver against his former club. Wow. I just, I like the romanticism of everything. <laughs> Jimmy Conrad, score predictions for this one. I'm going to go with Madrid winning by a goal over 90 minutes, which will send it into extra time. A bit of a coin flip there. And talk about romantic narratives. It would be kind of funny if Sergio Ramos subbed on <laughs> in extra time and then banged in a header. To, no, to I miss on purpose. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I actually thought he was the one that hurt Kylian Mbappe in, in <laughs> practice because I thought, oh, the guy's still, his heart's in Madrid, but uh, it was Adrisa Gay instead. I, 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 I think that it's a coin flip in extra time. It could go to penalties. I think Madrid and the fact that they've won so many trophies for a reason, they seem to find that extra gear, maybe a little bit of luck in this competition. So I'll lean it towards Madrid. Uh, I'm going with Madrid to win this one, 2-0. I think they're knocking PSG out of this. There's just something about Ooh. this PSG side. Since their first game, Benzema's looked a, a much better. Uh, Real Madrid have, have just looked far better awake, a little bit younger feeling. I mean, when we looked at them play against PSG, you go, wow, this team is in need of major reconfiguring in the offseason. And uh, Jonathan Johnson's talked about it a lot, that it's not just uh, killing Mbappe moving there that's going to make a difference. You need to just get younger in every line of the field. 
But since that loss, they've seemed to have woken up. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen more from Benzema again, who who looked relatively out of it against PSG in the first leg, looked great in, in the games leading up against. Again, it's not PSG that they've been playing against, but certainly some games of consequence as they're continuing on their quest to win the league title in La Liga. So I'm going to go with 2-0 for uh, for Real Madrid to win this one and go through on, on regular time. Look at you not being a coward. I like that. Yeah, you know, once in a wow. while, uh, I just want to be <laughs> extra. I want to be extra wrong instead of just kind of wrong, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I feel like we're talking about the Real Madrid of next year with Mbappe in the team because I don't see what you guys are talking about. Yes, in La Liga, they're getting some of the results, but they're they're playing against a star-studded PSG team that when you're chasing a game, you fall asleep for one second, they'll punish you. And Kylian Mbappe, him and Lewandowski are playing as the two best players in the world right now in how they single-handedly command games. When they did just goals? lose to Nice, Michaela, who though. Yeah, uh, Nice. Hey, you know what? They're saving it for the Champions League. Come <laughs> on, we all know that. No, no, I'm with you. I think PSG is winning this. I think because uh, I just think the stakes are too high for Paris Saint-Germain to lose this. If they lose, all of us here are in agreement. I think Pochettino can, you know, pack his bags. I think that's how bad it is. Uh, Sheriff one at the Bernabeu says this, Norris. Yes, we remember that, of course. All right, That was a so bad we week for them, though. They lost yeah, to the yeah. as well for the first time. Yeah, but they didn't beat them at the, uh, at the uh, Stefano Stadium in the way that they lost to uh, <laughs> uh, the year before. Stefano. It's the emphasis on the ste. Heath Pierce. Well, I was going to say the whole name, and then I started processing <laughs> it. In my brain, and I was just it's like, a gringo, you know, man. Stefano. <laughs> <laughs> Stefano. All right, so we got like a bad two frozen two then. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Jimmy and Heath have Real Madrid. Michael and yours truly have PSG. What say you? We've read a few. Most of the reads that I'm reading from our, our audience is Real Madrid. Everybody mm-hmm. is going that way. Well, we... We'll see. All right, we're nearly done here, but we got some other news, and I would love some comments from everybody. FIFA postponed Scotland against Ukraine. Uh, the World Cup qualifier now it's in June. Obviously, there are more things important in in life than football. And the tragedy in Ukraine is is prompting the ripple effect in the game, of course. So we know that's happening. Uh, Poland have been handed a bye for the Russia tie, and it will meet the Czech Republic or Sweden. In the final, we still have to wait for the Court of Arbitration of Sports. I'm wondering how all of this is going to go down, Jimmy Conrad. I feel that there's going to be more complexities as we look and we get closer to the World Cup in November. Yeah, it's going to be pretty complicated. And I'm I'm looking forward in some capacity of seeing how this all plays out from a legal perspective and everything they try to work out rules-wise. It seems fair, though, that Poland should have to play somebody. And why not the next best team that was in the the, the rankings or or in the group to make that happen? I think Slovakia was the team that I saw. So why not throw Slovakia out there and, and let them see if they can get a run out against Poland? It, it just feels it just feels from a sporting perspective a little unfair that they get to sit and wait while the other two teams have to battle it out for that 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 one spot. But that's that's what I got. <laughs> Des has Ireland, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I'm not oh, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no, what do you make of it? I think it's it's the the first part of it is a correct call to to more or less ban Russia from proceeding in FIFA World Cup qualification. It's yeah. awful, and we can all agree on that. What's happening in Ukraine? Just as you said, the, the life and people's lives and things like that, and war and oppression and things like that happening is always bigger than the game. However, I think it becomes a bit of a crapshoot of what type of precedent do you set. You never want wars or things like this to happen. But when things like this happen, then FIFA has a big question mark of what precedent do you set? And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't just they didn't want to touch it. And they said, you know what, let's give Poland the bye and let's just move forward. Yeah, he's. Yeah, it's 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 on one hand, I agree. There shouldn't be uh, freebies as the comment just came through. I, I go back to the fact that I was in a fan park uh, in Russia when they played against Saudi Arabia to kick it off and to see the fan base and the people there that are not representative of a lot of the things happening right now feels a little bit unfair to those people. Uh, It's unfair to the national team. Having said that, consequences become very complicated if if not just sort of a a ripping of the Band-Aid, which benefits somebody, but becomes less complicated than having to resort out the entire sort of qualification process and change all these things, which no matter what, there's no easy way. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be like, hey, well strength of who who's our opponent we liked our chances and blah 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 so you know it's 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 
it's a tough one. Um, but ultimately, I, I, I'm just kind of thinking in my mind, how else can you sort it out that isn't going to lead to some sort of controversy of 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 a national team and and having an easier or a weaker schedule? Yeah, yeah. You can't, you know, it's too complex, but, you know, Russia needs to to be banned. And obviously, it's going to get more complex, obviously, as the weeks go along. And as we mentioned, uh, Scotland, Ukraine will not be until June. Uh, of course. All right. Well, that's it. That's our that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for being part of it. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. Jimmy. I can't wait for tomorrow. And I can't wait to get more of Heath being a coward. That's that's <laughs> hey, hey, let me get my final thoughts in. All right. I gotta you want to go. you you hear you want to hear not coward? You didn't talk about the other game tomorrow. I've got Man City winning that one and going through the next You wanna make you wanna yeah. you want a hot take? There you go. You know, yeah. All right. Way to go, Heath. Uh, my, my final thoughts are simple. I'm really excited to see just this high-level, high-octane sort of matchup between PSG and Real Madrid. I, I think in the midst of so much going on globally, we, we even have what happened in Mexico. Soccer needs some positive news and to really get a matchup that focuses back on why we love this game. And it's two good teams going at it. So I cannot wait for that because I could definitely yeah. use some positive news. That was like a warm hug at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. I know, but uh, I was about to say, yes, we we all need poor little PSG to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for being part of the family, everybody, and everybody watching and listening. Of course, we really appreciate you. We return with much more Champions League action. Uh, obviously, on Wednesday. And of course, there's going to be even more as we discuss the draw for the quarterfinals, which will be super exciting. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Michael LaHood, always a pleasure, my friend. Gracias. Oh, yeah, I like it. Heath Pierce, put some pants on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I was late, but I look pretty good today. You do, Hollywood Heath. You always look good, Hollywood Heath. If you were British, you'd be the next James Bond, my friend. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. We will see you next time. Give us a fun. See you next time. Play that drum, Jimmy. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.